Good morning. Welcome to Valley Lights Church. Glad to see you're all here today. My name is Bruce Wood, the lead pastor here, and uh, I'm glad that you've joined us here in this building, this facility, because um, we're actually eventually going to leave this facility. So I made an, an announcement last week, but I wanted to, in case we missed anybody, I wanted to share the news. Uh, we've uh, been thinking and praying and as a membership talking about moving to a new location. And on January 15th, we'll be moving to Rio Norte Junior High School. And this is just uh, uh, about just under four months away from now. Actually, yeah, uh, just a little over three months from now. And we were meeting there as the church in the past. We were able to meet there for about three months. And then COVID stuff kind of disrupted that. God provided this place for us. But we've, we're not that old of a church, but we've, in the time that we have, we have journeyed a lot throughout Santa Clarita in different locations. And uh, I'm really excited about this move. Um, one of the, the biggest, probably, the, there's, a, there's a handful of reasons to move. There's some like financial related ones, some like technical rental contract type stuff. But the main reason is I think that part of town, that really that neighborhood is a more strategic place. It puts us in the path of a lot of families, a lot of life, a lot of events and activities that happen. Um, near the school, in the school, around West Creek Park, um, in a, a growing part of town. And um, I think actually it's a, a more strategic position for us to find and reach and meet uh, more people that are not connected to a church anywhere. One of the big goals, one of the big, actually the mission that we're on as a church is to find more people that are far from God, living apart from Him, um, don't really have any connection to a church anywhere. And so we want to be positioned as strategically as possible for that. So, um, if you, um, I, I spent a little bit more time explaining some of the reasons behind that in our message last week. If you'd like to catch it, some of that, you can listen to our, our message from last week. Um, but I want to I want to jump into today's message, and we're in the middle of a series called the Financial Squeeze, <laughs> and we're we're talking about this topic because we seem to be uh, squeezed financially in our our culture and our society right now. There's a lot happening, a lot of movement in economics. I was feeling the, <laughs> I had like a funny, a couple of funny uh, things happened to me with gas, gasoline this week. So I, I, we, I went to one place, I was filling up our van and it was in a part, it was, a, it was not in Santa Cruz, it was somewhere else where it was a lot more expensive. And so I only put in like a couple of gallons. I'll like, I'll wait till we're back in town. And then when yet the next day I got back and I was in town and then the price had jumped to where it was the day before. <laughs> I'm like, I should have just filled up yesterday because day to day it seems to matter a lot to the prices and so that day I was filling up the gas and um, it's I was listening to like the little commercial on the gas pump thing and they the news apparently was that day gas had jumped 12 cents overnight which apparently is the biggest jump since 2015 which I don't even know what happened in 2015 it just feels this feels un, unheard of to me just whatever's going on and as I was uh and actually, some, one of the other guys filling up the gas pump was talking to me about it. He's like filling up a truck, and um, we were just talking about it. And I was thinking, how much longer can this go on? Like, how sustainable is it really if, if this keeps going and there appears to be no real stop to it anytime soon? Like, how, how much longer can this go on? And not just, so gas is one example, but that's not the only thing. It's groceries and other things that you're buying. It's just all over the place. And, you know, we're all one way or another, feeling the squeeze of inflation. The government is doing its best to bring inflation down. 
Congress has passed the Inflation Reduction Act. The state of California is sending out inflation relief payments by the end of the year. I've got a lot of thoughts about all of those things. Um, the question, though, that we're asking in this series is, what is, what is God doing about the inflation? You know, does he see what's going on here? Does he see what's going on in your finances? God offers to help us in our need in all areas of life, but that includes, he does offer to help us even when it comes to finances and provision and us being able to buy and pay for what we need. A theme verse for this series that we've been looking at is Isaiah 46. For this is actually a very encouraging promise from God. This is when he's speaking to his people in the Old Testament. He says, even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. And so, you know, the encouraging thing about this is there's an, there's an offer for, for help. There's, God makes an offer, not, and not just when you're young, but all through life, even until your hairs get gray. And it also says, he also, God also says, I made you. God made each of us. Our, our life really is a miracle. You had really no say over whether or not you were born. <laughs> God is the one that's, that decided that. And God didn't make us to be self, a self-sustaining, independent life form. From the moment that we're born throughout life, our vulnerability is obvious. Our lack of ability to control our environment and our circumstances is pretty obvious. We need God's help to stay alive. We need his help to make it through life. And we need food and shelter and a whole lot of other things. Because we're dependent beings, we're always maybe just one set of circumstances away from being in real need. I mean, what does it take? Just one injury, one financial disaster, one tragedy away from circumstances that are out of our control to where we're, we're very desperately in need. Thankfully, God doesn't just walk away. He doesn't just make you and then walk away and just hope for the best. We find ourselves squeezed in life by life's pressures. And when we're in that vice grip of pressure, of need, God offers to carry us and sustain us and rescue us. There's a lot of hope in that. But here's the thing. There's some conditions. <laughs> and that's really what this series is about. If God does offer to help us, sustain us, carry us, rescue us, even in our financial situation, there's some conditions. It's not, you can't just do whatever you want, live however you want. There's some things. And so in this series, we're looking at four conditions that are attached to God's offer for help, especially in the financial realm. The first week of this series, we looked at the idea of carrying my load, bearing personal responsibility for my, for my life to, to work hard, produce something good in this world. We looked at next, the next week, choosing contentment. Carrying my load, choosing contentment. That's one of God's conditions. And then today, the topic is calm my emotions. And why would it be important to God? Why, do you, why, why is it that we need to calm our emotions, get a grip on how we're feeling. It's because the offer for rescue is an offer of assistance. God doesn't just tranquilize us and then carry our limp bodies through life. <laughs> there's, there's a role that we play. Uh, you know that we have challenges and God does help us, but there's, something, there's, a, there's a way that we need to respond as we walk through those challenges. We have an active role to play in the process. 
And so if I'm, if I'm not in control of my emotions, if I'm in a state of panic, I can't do those other things that God has commanded me to do. If I'm panic, how well am I going to carry my own load? How well am I going to choose contentment? Have an eye towards generosity for others? So we need to get a grip on how we feel. And when you feel the squeeze financially, sometimes you feel all kinds of things. How do we get a grip on that? What do we do with those emotions? Emotions can feel very uncontrollable. Actually, the, word, the, the, the root of the word emotion is motion. Our emotions are the result of our emotions. Like our bodies, we move and then we feel the movement. And so this morning, what we're going to look at on this topic is two actions that will help calm anxiety. I don't know if you feel any anxiety in life about money or about anything else. This is actually, the theme is kind of directed towards finances, but this actually will be very helpful if you've felt worried or anxious about anything in your life. So the first action that really helps us is seek, don't run. We've got to seek, not run. This is from the teaching of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus said, so do not, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. We tend to move forward in life using one of two gears. Either we run or we seek. When we run, our pace is fast, but our path tends to be crooked. It's hard to stay precise when you're going too fast. But when we seek, our pace is slower and our path is straighter. And whenever we're squeezed by financial need, our tendency is to panic and pick up the pace. If you're feeling the squeeze and you start freaking out, man, I just gotta, I gotta scramble to figure out how to solve my problem. We're, we're always getting pursuit I and mean, we tend to be in pursuit of our basic needs. And Jesus lists those three big basic needs. What will we eat? What will we drink? What shall we wear? And unfortunately, our needs don't come to us. <laughs> we must go and get what we need. Our needs are always moving away from us because we eat and drink and then, man, we get hungry and thirsty again. Man, I got it. I just satisfied that need and now I got to go fill it again. And man, I got to chase after that again. We buy clothes and then when they wear out or your body changes the size and you got to get a different pair of clothes. We, the needs change. Our money gets tight and our needs are moving away from us. feels like at a faster pace. So then we run after our needs to get those things taken care of and met, and we run in order to catch up to them. Jesus states the deeper reason behind our running. He says we're pagans. <laughs> it's pagans who run. Pagan is, I, you know, if you've heard that term before, it's, it's more of a put-down word to all of us, but really what it means, what the word pagan means, is somebody that doesn't factor God in. Pagan is just somebody who doesn't factor God in. So when it comes to the needs of life, pagans don't think that God really has anything practical to do with it. If the mortgage or the rent is going to get paid, then, well, it's up to me. It's, I got I to solve it. If, if I'm ever going to be able to retire, then that's up to me too. Basically saying, it's all up to me to make my ends meet. Well, it seems, that seems like a pretty persuasive argument because... No, so far, no, no one except for me has paid my mortgage or my rent. <laughs> if, I, if I look at my retirement, you know, I'm trying to build that a little bit over time. There's been no entry with God's name on it. 
It's my name. And so, it's, you know, we, we can fall in this perception of I'm the one taking care of my own needs. If that's true and your needs are moving away from you, it's, it's just, it's almost logical for us to pick up our pace and start running after the things that we need. But Jesus says something really, really amazing about this, knowing that we struggle with this. It says, if you seek God first and put those things, those things that we need, second, he will see to it that those things get added to our life as well. And not, not just two of those things, but all of the things that we need. And we think the needs, I, gotta go, I have got to make sure I get all my needs met. I've got to take care of myself. But if we actually take care of what God wants taken care of first, consider our needs second, something amazing happens. So th- this doesn't mean, though, by the way, that, you know, we can just quit all, all our jobs. <laughs> We're going to quit our jobs and just watch God feed us, and he'll just miraculously, you know, bring food to the table as we sit there. You know, if you walk into Ralph's today, if you go to pay, and then you just read this verse to the checker, <laughs> say, like, God's paying for this. You know, good luck with that. It doesn't, that, that won't work. Jesus isn't saying only seek his kingdom and his righteousness and nothing else. He's saying to seek it first. If you put God at the center of your life and then address your daily needs after that, he will add his effort to yours. That's an amazing thing. But if we try to pull our life together first and then figure out how to add him in later, man, life just keeps falling apart. Somehow it just, it doesn't add up. So in this passage, it's almost like Jesus is presenting the option. Run until you die or Seek God first. Seek what's important to God first. We have a phrase that we use to describe what this is like, what it's like to run after all of those things that we need in life. You know, in our, in our culture, we call it the rat race. If you've heard the term rat race, it brings, the, it brings to mind the image of a rat running on, you know, one of those wheels. Just a whole lot of energy, not really going anywhere very fast. And life can feel like that. You know, the pace of life feels fast. I mean, you, if, you see, if you ever watch a rat on a wheel, they, they never, they're never really going very slow. Man, they're just running to keep up and just nothing. It's kind of fun to watch, I guess, if you're outside of the situation. But, you know, in life, it can feel like we're going nowhere. Like the rat, we keep covering the same ground because, you know, you buy groceries and pay rent, but then I got to do it all over again. Man, I got I to gotta go to the grocery store again. Like, how many times do I have to do it? Well, I just got to keep doing that. And the question comes to mind, am I progressing? Like, you know, when, did, when will things slow down? The other kind of rat race that we might find ourselves in is, you know, like it's the idea when there's a piece of cheese placed at the end of a maze. And you can put two rats in, in the maze and see who gets to the cheese first. And again, sometimes it can feel like this is what we're doing on a much bigger scale in life. We need stuff in life, like the cheese. We need cheese. <laughs> And there's a maze full of obstacles between us and getting what we need. And to add the pressure, we're in competition with everybody else who are chasing after the same thing in life. And there's only so much cheese to go around. This actually, in a, in a humorous way, this is kind of the kind of race depicted in a movie, The Rat Race. Um, and uh, there, it's, kind of, it's kind of a humorous clip. And it actually, it, it can bring light to how we might feel in life as an analogy. So check out this video, quick video clip. Zero, zero, one. Inside the locker 
is a red duffel bag, inside the red duffel bag is two million dollars. In cash, 1500 makes it probably about so big. First one there, keeps it all. <laughs> oh, and I put little transmitting uh, devices in your key ring so that I can keep track of you. And uh, that's it. Go. You, you just can't pick people at random. I can do anything I like. I'm eccentric. <laughs> Go! Wait, wait, so it's like a race? A race? He's a race. I hope I win. Um, what are the uh, rules? There's only one rule. Are you ready? Ready? for about 40 seconds, and so far Mr. Schaefer is winning because he's nearest to the door. <laughs> Has anybody seen that movie before? <laughs> uh, you know, so this, so that rich millionaire guy Donald Sinclair and his rich friends, they tracked the race from a, a control room. And you know, there's something demeaning about putting two million people, or two million dollars in front of people and just watch them race and gut it out. And I show that because it's almost like you think, is this, is this kind of what God has done to us? He's put limited resources on the planet. You know, all these resources are perishing and, you know, there's not enough to go around and populated the planet with people with, you know, we're gonna see who gets all the resources. And for now, the control room of heaven, God's watching as his entertainment. That God's watching as everyone just frantically runs after all the cheese that's left on the planet. Is that, is that the life that we're all in? No, it's not. And you're not a rat. <laughs> you're not a rat in a race. There's a, a comedian, Lily Tomlin says, the trouble with the rat race is even if you win, you're still a rat. <laughs> and to avoid running in the rat race of life, you first need to understand that you are nothing like a rat. Only rats run rat races, and if, if, you, don't, if you don't understand who you are and who God is, then you'll chase the cheese, and you won't realize it. Jesus makes it very clear from this passage that we're not on this earth just frantically run and then die. <laughs> There's more to it than that. And actually, Jesus doesn't use uh, rats as an example. He uses birds and flowers. In Matthew 6, 26, he says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. So he uses birds and flowers. What's the, what's the point? Why does, he, why does he bring up these other life forms? Well, he, he contrasts us to those to really show how much value we have. Jesus spends really the bulk of these verses making the point, if you don't understand who you are, you'll chase the cheese. Instead of 
a rat, you know, you're not a bird or a flower. But the point, the point is, you're not like the other life forms on the planet. There is, not, there is nothing like humans. We are made in God's image. We, in fact, we're, we're the only life form that farms. <laughs> we farm for food. In contrast, animals graze or hunt. Farming is a much more reliable way to come up with food. But it takes the intellectual ability to reason. You know, this is very different than animals. You've got to be able to understand the growing processes. You've got to be able to do something called planning and managing your time to farm. Also, we're the only ones that make our own clothes. You know, we, as a society, we manufacture and we buy and we dress ourselves. Plants can't dress for a winter like you do. We're smarter and we're more complex than plants and animals. It's a really good thing that we're smarter, but it's also kind of, it's kind of a tricky thing too because birds and plants, they've got more reasons to, be, to worry about how they're going to get what they need, but they're not smart enough to worry, so they don't worry about it, and God just takes care of them. How do birds get fed? God feeds them. How do we get fed? We farm, we purchase, and we supply. How do the flowers get dressed? God takes care of it all on his own. How do we get dressed? Well, we manufacture and we buy and we dress. Because we are so much smarter and we can create stable sources finding what we need, here's the problem. We can sometimes outsmart ourselves into ignoring the God behind the whole process and think, it's, it's only up to me to take care of my needs. We start thinking that, well, I, I don't see God in the picture. I don't really need God in the picture. I just need to make sure I take care of myself and focus on that only. When we do that, the pressure is on. If you are relying only on yourself for your needs, there's a lot of pressure that comes with that. Would you agree that you're more intelligent than a bird? <laughs> Would you agree that you're more intelligent than a bush? Yeah, of course. Than a rat? I hope so. <laughs> In this passage, Jesus asks, this is, that's, a, that's a fun question. Jesus asks a fun question, to really to, to test. Are, are you sure you're smarter than a bush or a bird or a rat? Okay, you smart people, here's his question. Who, in 627, he says, Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? It's kind of a fun question. Seems obvious, right? Why would you even ask such an obvious question? Basically, can you, can you spend more of your time worrying, if you just worry hard enough, <laughs> so that you get more? Like you worry more and then you get more? Does that happen? Like this is the question. Have you ever worried long enough about your finances that a dollar popped up in your bank account? <laughs> just so, I'm so stressed and anxious, and like, oh, money. <laughs> no, no, worrying does nothing. It does absolutely nothing. So does that help you just not worry now? <laughs> Is that all you need to know? You're, you, you're normal people. So you get worried and you get anxious. You, don't, you all do, I do. What, what has ever been produced by your worry? What has ever come of your anxiety? Anything? We are smart. We're smart enough to understand some of the processes that God has created. And we can get some results. But man, there's a lot about life that we don't, totally understand how it all works out. There's, there's so much complexity on the planet. We don't understand it all. We can't fully get our minds around it all. We're not smart enough to really take God's place and run things for him and provide for ourselves on our own. We have to trust him. 
There's a gap between what we know and what we can do and what he does. We've got to trust him. Birds and plants and rats, they don't have to trust God. They're not smart enough to do that anyway. But we are. We're smart enough. We can put our trust in him. Because we're so smart, we have to make a choice that rats don't. Will we worry or will we trust? Will we run frantically after the stuff we need or will we seek God first? What he wants. A seeker is someone who sets their sights on a goal and stays after it. What do we, what, so, okay, so what are we supposed to seek? If not, you know, if not, if priority one isn't chasing after our own stuff, our food and our livelihood and our, what, what is the number one thing? He says it's his kingdom and his righteousness. God's kingdom is really his agenda that he has set in the world. We can be a part of God's kingdom. We can be a part of advancing what he wants to happen on this planet. That's, a, that's an exciting privilege. And then his righteousness. God has an idea about what's right and wrong. His perspective happens to be the right one. <laughs> his kingdom, his righteousness, these need to be number one in our seeking. There's a lot of ideas about what is right and what's wrong, and our, our lifelong goal is to keep adjusting our thinking and then our lives to his, to conform to him. If you're interested in God's kingdom and his righteousness, if you're saying, okay, I, need, I, I do need to prioritize him first, if, if you're planning to invest in God's kingdom and his righteousness after you get your needs taken care of first, it's not going to happen. We can't do our stuff first. You know, those, these things, get the, the kingdom and the righteousness, those aren't hobbies. Those aren't like things that we do, you know, we get a lecture time in the evening. <laughs> these need to be life-dominating pursuits that requires constant energy and effort to make it a priority. It's not just that Christ followers don't pursue physical things. It's, you know, we, so we, you, you need stuff. You need clothes, you need food. We, we all need that. So we do need to figure out how to take care of our needs with God's help. It's just that that's not the big race for us. Getting all of our stuff figured out, it's, that's not the race. We need the cheese and all the stuff, but life's not about the cheese. It's about what God is building in people. We get to be a part of it. That's why we, practically speaking, how do we do this? Well, we, we carve out time each day to read the Bible and to pray and spend time with God. That's why we check in with Him. That's why we make church on Sunday morning like this a priority. This is very important to God. That's why we do this. This is, this is, this is more important than running after the cheese. <laughs> it's, this is, you know, church is where we team up with others for God's agenda for the world and in other places too that he said. In the routines of life, God will keep sending you opportunities to walk in his way, to practice what he said in the New, New Testament values about how we treat one another. If we're not seeking the things that are important to God, we'll miss the opportunities that he brings for us to really have an impact in the world. So if we're going to calm those emotions, the worry and the anxiety, or, you know, when you're in the financial squeeze, we've got to seek, not run. Another practical action that can help calm our anxiety is to pray, don't panic. Pray, don't panic. So if you ever feel anxiety, 
you can't just be like, stop it, anxiety, <laughs> and then you feel better. You know, those emotions come, man, some, sometimes you just come up and then, bam, you just feel, oh, so worried or worked up about something or somebody or the numbers on the bank account. Oh, you can't really control that the emotions come, but we can change what we do with them, how we handle them. So let's say that you decide to seek God first. Let's say you say, all right, I'm going to put his kingdom and his righteousness first. That doesn't mean that you are all done with worry. Worry will continue distracting us from seeking God first. And I, you, in, fact, in fact, if you decide, I'm, I'm going to prioritize something. I, I realize something that's important to God. I'm going to prioritize it this week. Imagine just that some distraction is probably going to come. Maybe some worry will come up. You set up to do, you start doing what's right. And then you're like, whoa, maybe, maybe I can't do this. Or what will I think? Or there's so many worries that can just come at that moment when we're set out to do God's way. Worry is, is a voice that yells, fire, there's a fire. And if we listen to that voice, we'll constantly be running in panic mode away from imaginary fires. Worry is very normal. Anxiety is normal. And it's common to us. Do you think, does, here, here's the question, do you, think, do you think it's reasonable that we live with at least a low level amount of worry? Like, do you think maybe it's permissible just to like, be anxious a little bit about things, just like, you know, it's, it's normal, right? Like, shouldn't we, shouldn't it be normal and acceptable to be, like, a little anxious, look, you know, concerned about things? Philippians 4, 6-7 says, do not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What we need is the peace of God that transcends understanding to stand guard over our hearts and our minds. We need the peace of God to transcend our understanding because the peace from God is, is not contingent on our circumstances. The peace of God doesn't go up and down depending on how much money you have. It doesn't go up and down depending on how rough things are getting in your life or in our world. If we live like this, people will look at your circumstances and then they'll see your peace and then they'll just be confused. <laughs> how can you have those circumstances and that peace at the same time? That, that doesn't even make sense. Wouldn't it be nice to have peace independent from all your circumstances? And this peace that God does offer to us, actually it's right there in front of you. It doesn't come magically. God grants it as we move forward toward him with our anxiety. A general well-wishing towards God is not enough. It gets very, very specific. This verse, this is an, this, this is an amazing part of scripture. <laughs> I've used this verse so many times in my life. It's very specific. So I'm just going to break a, part, a few of the parts of it. It says, Go to the next slide. It says, um, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything. So I've got some bullets on your handout there that you can reference. And we're going to keep this on the screen. Make, make a list of everything you're anxious about. If, if it's true, if it's true that we need to consider everything that we're anxious about, why don't you make a list of those things? You know, we, we, we tend to feel anxiety and then it just 
it's like this big feeling and it's even hard to like get our fingers on all the reasons that we're anxious and it just feels like man everything's a mess and like oh the worry just kind of leads to worry about other things it starts with one thing and then you kind of wander off and that makes you worried about the other people involved in that situation and the finances are tied to that and then you start worrying but it starts kind of cascading yesterday i was uh wrapping up a, a conference i was a part of in big bear and in the morning i we were in these cabins. I, I came out of the cabin and I was getting up to do my quiet time, spend time with God in the morning, Bible and prayer. And I finished reading my Bible and I wrote, you know, I was journaling some, some things from that. And I didn't really, I didn't actually realize that I, I was feeling anxious about some things until I went to prayer. And I was just, I was like, I need to spend some time praying. And as I'm praying, I'm like, oh, I actually... I feel worried about some things. I kind of felt it like a ball of anxiety in my chest. I was just, you know, I, I was worried about, um, we had a finance seminar here last night. I was kind of worried about some details for that coming together and some things. And I was also worried about getting home on time. I wanted to, we had a bunch of things scheduled yesterday. And so it was, it was a long drive. I wanted to make sure we got home on time. And then we were hosting some friends. We had some friends stay over and, and their kids also stayed, you know, slept over at our house. And I was, I was anxious about the house being ready and us being ready. And then I was anxious about being ready for this morning because busy week and I wasn't totally ready. And so I realized it was about four things. Finding someone or getting home on time, hosting our friends and getting ready for this morning. And it was helpful for me to realize it was, it was just four, it was four things, tangible things. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it, when you're feeling overwhelmed by anxiety, it can just feel like, it's a big cloud of countless things, and I'm just so anxious, and I can't even wrap my mind around it all. But may, maybe it's just that you're anxious about maybe five to eight things that you could write down. So why not just get them out of your head and write it down on a list of paper? Just write down the specific things that you're anxious about. This is a step. This is, this is, a, this is actually a way to stop the anxiety from spiraling into a lot of other things and do just what feels like an insurmountable emotion. So it says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything. So make a list. Don't, don't list everything in the world. <laughs> Just list everything in your heart that's, you, that you're feeling at the moment. So if it's, if it's financial worries, it could be, oh, man, I'm worried about paying rent next month. Will, I'm, will I be able to afford it? retirement? How, how are we going to pay off that medical bill? My, my car is making a sound. I don't know how to get all this done. What is it? What are the things? Write it out. So now that you've written out, then what? What does it say next? Next thing, by prayer. Okay. This is the big power move. Prayer marks a major shift in your thinking. Worry. When you're worrying, this is the attempt to, to solve the uncertainties of life. But prayer is the, it's the admission that I can't. When I go to God... In prayer, I said, I, I can't solve all of this. Prayer is the moment when you lift your head up from the circumstances of your life and you ask for God's help. It cuts the power out of worry because it says, I, these things I'm worried about, I can't solve on my own. So we can take the entire list that we've written out and present it to God and say, God, I need your help with these specific things. I can't do this on my own. This is, this is like talking to the supervisor of your life. The one who actually can do something about it. And when I did this on Saturday morning, so I, I took my worries to God in prayer. I, 
walked away. I really felt so much lighter walking away from that. I just prayed some specific things. I, and I said, God, I, I really do trust you with these things. I, I don't totally know how the rest of the day is going to pan out, but will you help me? And I trust you to help me with this. And even if things go wrong, God, you're big enough. You're in charge. Even if things go wrong, you'll work through it. And you'll show me the way through that. I can trust you with that. So prayer, and then petition. This is when we're asking for God's specific help with each item on your list. God, help me with the seminar. Pray for these specific things. Help me with this. Get ready. Help me get there on time. You know, all these things. Just, God, would you help me with these specific things? I have a mentor that I often call or meet regularly. And whenever I need help or advice, which is often (laughs) with problems that I'm facing or challenges, and and sometimes he'll ask, what can I do to help you? And that's a question that helps me focus what I'm thinking. What, what is my question? What is my request? What is the thing I need help with? This prayer part of this verse is, so the, so the prayer, it says prayer and petition. Prayer is kind of like the general, God, please help me. Petition, this is where we focus specifically on, I, I need, what is it? I need insight or I need resources. I need favor. I need protection. And then the next part, Prayer and petition with thanksgiving. In life, normally, if you receive something, you thank the person after you got the thing, right? If you get a gift, you go, thank you. <laughs> well, why, why do we thank God before there's been time for him to do anything about it? That's, yeah, that's weird. I just put, I give the petition and then I say thank you right away. Well, the purpose of this advanced thanksgiving is to remind us our true position before God. We tend to think of God like a vending machine, like I'll just punch in my request by prayer and like money, you know, put the money. Oh yeah, like prayer is like the money. Like, choop, all right, put it in. And this, that, that's like a transactional relationship. All right, I give you my prayer money, you give me the thing. All right, see ya. <laughs> um, we, you know, we, we need something. And so we ask God for it and then God gives it and we say thanks. This is, this sometimes we, you know, you hear people say things like prayer works. You know, it's kind of like a transactional way of it. And you know, prayer, prayer does work. The truth is that our entire life is a gift. <laughs> Every, everything going on in my life is a gift from God. When we, when we say thanks in advance, we're, we're seeing our life as it is. You can use your anxiety list to thank God. Now, this is, this is radical thinking. Behind every anxiety that you have, every worry and concern that you have, there's a gift in that. Maybe, maybe you're worried about paying rent. Well, God's given you a place to live. And he probably helped you pay rent last month. Maybe you're worried about your health. Well, God has given you life, and he's helped you up till now. Maybe you're worried about your kids. God has given you kids. Behind every worry, there, there is so much that God has already done in taking care of us. My whole life is a gift from God. And besides all that, God, thank you for being with me. Thank you for walking with me. Thank you for the promise that you'll always be with me. There is so much immediately that we can thank God with thanksgiving. And then it says, uh, present your requests to God, which means you got these anxieties. Leave it. Leave it there with God. We bring our worries to God, not to inform him and then take them back right after. <laughs> Here's my worries, and now I'm going to go still be worried about it. No, we bring and we, we leave those things with him. If it comes back in our mind and like, oh, I'm worried again. Well, because it, it will. That worry will come back in your mind. Just pause and say, you know what, God? 
I left this with you. I, I do trust you with this. Help me to trust you with, with the outcome. I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I, I still trust you. You may need to go through that process again and again. Anxiety kind of grows like a weed. It just keeps growing back. So you've got to keep weeding. It says, this next verse that we read earlier, says, The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Early on in our marriage, I was trying to get my career established. There was one point where um, we had been saving up a lot, but all, we, circumstances made it so that our savings uh, got spent and my checking balance dropped below $100. That freaked me out. And I, had, I felt like I had been like real responsible with our money and just, you know, expenses caught up and things caught up. And the way I felt when the money went below 100 I was, I was very anxious about it. And in that moment, God, God said, you're anxious because you don't trust me. And, I, and I, hadn't I hadn't realized that up to that point, every time my bank account was up, I felt good. And when my bank account went down, I felt bad. And I didn't realize that up down means I'm not trusting God. If, we, if I truly did trust God and I do the things he's commanded as far as these things about being financially, these conditions, then, then it's okay. It's okay if things come up or unexpected things happen. I can still trust him. There's uh, some cards that you, there's a card that you got when you walked in, part of your program. It's, it's kind of like this, it's almost the size of a credit card, intentionally. <laughs> and um, this, this is actually, and this card, I'm going to give you one this week and then we'll do it again next week if anybody misses it. But this is a card that can be a, a reminder to you of, first of all, that Amazing hope that we have in Isaiah that God has says, I will carry you and rescue you and sustain you. That's an amazing thing to know about how God treats his people. And uh, there's, you know, on the, on, on the back where it says God's conditions, there's, there's four things that we do. Each message of this series has been these four things. We have got one more next week. That really, if, if, we're, if we're doing what he has said in the Bible about how we handle and how we see our money, how we see our resources, how we prioritize our life, we can really walk in blessing and find his help. So, you know, just be honest. Do you, do you worry about money stuff? <laughs> do, you get, do you get anxious about where things are at financially? Have you felt anxiety at any point recently? Like since the inflation stuff has been happening, have you felt anxiety and worry and concern about where we're going, where things are headed? If you do, which is very normal, but if you get worry or anxiety, it disables us from doing the other things that God has commanded us. If we're just panicked and fretful and clamping down and trying to pull things together ourselves, we can't be generous. If I'm so worried, I, I can't focus on his kingdom. I can't bear my own load. If I'm freaking out, how am I gonna be a responsible person that's contributing to society? No, we've really gotta get, we have to get a grip on our emotions, on our anxiety and really trust God. That really allows us to walk in obedience in the rest of the areas of life. So I do hope They'll come back again next Sunday as we wrap up this year. We'll look at that last very important aspect of how we handle our, the money that God has given us. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for your help and your provision. All the money that we have, all the stuff and the resources, you provide it. It comes from you. You own it all. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to really grab a hold of what you've commanded in Philippians about not being anxious about anything. That's a pretty tall order. 
But when we apply what you've said, it, 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 it just it brings so much freedom from the worry and the anxiety. And I pray that you'd help us to find that. I pray that you provide for those that are in need now. And um, I pray also, Lord, that you continue using our church to help many more people find you, find new life in Jesus. And it's in, in his name we pray. Amen.